This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we are going to be talking about a subject that is absolutely perfect for this final day of the year, for December 31st, getting ready to go into a new year, thinking about our New Year's resolutions, And you know what? These are resolutions that we need to keep. You know, how many times do we make resolutions? And, you know, I don't even bother anymore because I know I'm not going to keep them. But what we're going to be talking about today is something that we really, really need to consciously make sure we are doing. So now that I've set that up so that you're really curious, please welcome Deirdre Maloney to our program today. Welcome, Deirdre. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Well, let me tell people just a little bit about you. So Deirdre Maloney is a truth teller who helps people exceed their goals and sleep better at night. She does it through her work as a published author, international speaker, and proud president of her training, facilitation, and marketing company, Momentum LLC. Deirdre has used her brand of mild audacity to inspire positive change around the world, presenting for organizations like Boeing and the Boys and Girls Club of America. Her writings have been featured in Forbes and Entrepreneur. Her books include The Mission Myth, Bogus Balance, and The Tough Truths series. We're going to talk about her new book, and we'll talk about it in just a moment, but her popular blog is a hit with anyone who likes a direct, authentic style with their morning coffee or evening wine. And in her spare time, Deirdre teaches boot camp for gut check fitness and is a Rotarian. So again, Deirdre, welcome. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to talk a lot about your new book, which is called Tough Truths. That's hard to say. Tough Truths, (laughs) the 10 happiness lessons we don't talk about. But before we do that, tell us how you got where you are today. Uh, Sure. And like everyone else, I had a fairly circuitous path to getting to where I am. Um, I started out actually moons and moons ago as a broadcast news producer. Mm -hmm. And that was what I went to school for originally. And I've always been a writer and like the idea of being a journalist. I I had very high visions of myself as a journalist. And I pretty soon realized that news wasn't really the business for me. There's this saying in news that if it bleeds, it leads. Right. I I just didn't, it didn't strike well with me. And then Mm -hmm. in a scary way, it started to feel okay. And that was when I I knew it wasn't really for me anymore. So I got Mm -hmm. out and I started doing marketing and PR uh, for the, the first job I had in that was for a nonprofit and over the next few years, I actually grew into the position of executive director wow. of that nonprofit, a multi-million dollar nonprofit. I got the job, I was 28 years old, and I always say I got that job for lots of reasons that had nothing to do with me. We had a, uh, an executive director of 18 years step down, our board brought in someone new who didn't work out, I was from inside, and mm-hmm. I think they were just scared to go outside again. So I, right. I stepped into this role that was uh, very 
big and had wonderful imposter syndrome as I stepped into it. And over the next several years, learned a lot Mm -hmm. about how to run organizations, how not to run organizations, how to manage people, how not to manage people. And uh, when I moved again to the West Coast, I was doing this work in Denver. We moved because of my husband's promotion. What I started to realize was I had just, I'd learned a lot of lessons fairly young uh, through my life. I'd, Mm -hmm. I'd had this incredibly difficult job and I also, I'd been through a divorce And I just felt like I had learned some things young, and I always try to put my lessons to you. So I wrote my first book, Mission Myth, which is all about um, running a nonprofit like a business. And I started facilitating work with nonprofits and boards. And what I soon came to learn is that for-profit businesses and for-profit leaders and people who work in other industries besides nonprofits could really use some of the same general lessons. Right. So I shifted around and um, just brought into my base. I did a lot of work on leadership. I did a lot of work on management and organizational development. And as my path changed, um, I started expanding as well. And I actually found myself a few years ago in my own kind of personal crisis. I uh, had started my business. I published two books. I was working 24, it wasn't 24-7, but it was plenty of time. And um putting everything I had into that work. And what I soon came to realize is that's because it, uh, it was almost existential. If the business was doing well, then I was good. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't doing well, then I was lousy. And mm-hmm. so I came to realize that. And then went into work-life balance, which I have an issue with that whole idea. But there's no balance. There's no, no such thing. No <clears throat> such thing. Uh, but really went into happiness work. So mm-hmm. now I do everything from leadership, communication, happiness. It's all really quite tied together. Mm-hmm. And uh, as my journey continues to evolve, I'm sure my work and my writing will as well, but that's, that's what led me here now. Right. You know, and I love the concept of talking about happiness because so many times it's not talked about. You know, it's the, are you fulfilled? You know, there, there's a variety of other terms that we use, but mm-hmm. we don't really stop to think, does this make me happy? That's right. And, you know, and, and, and then it's how much or how little, you know, all these various things. And I think sometimes people think, well, it's work. It shouldn't make us happy. You know, and then you have the opposite end of the spectrum of the, it, you know, you, it's not work if you love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I did invoicing today. I don't like doing invoicing. It's one of those necessary evils. But for the most part, I like what I do, you know, and, and so you're, you're, you're never going to be in love with your job all the time, you right. know, all these various things. But why did happiness itself really become your focal point? Well, you know, it's, it's, I'll start with what you started with, which is I think happiness is kind of considered a luxury these days. It's we, a kumbaya. It is. It's a, it's, we back burner it because we have obligations. And I don't know about you, but I was brought up with a lot of lessons. Some of them are, are fair. Mm-hmm. But um, I always say in this country especially, we love to should on each other. Right. So you need to provide. You need to earn your keep. You need to prove yourself. You need to fight and fight and fight until you get that position. You need to get people out of the way. You need to grit, grit your teeth and bear it to get to success. And by the way, success is bigger titles, bigger money, no matter mm-hmm. what that means. Right. And so we're, we're brought up with these lessons and we, we kind of put it under the cloak of integrity or saying that we're you know, super resilient when the truth is that a lot of the work that leads us to getting to the successes, and I'm, I'm air quoting here, nobody mm-hmm. can see me. Um, I, I, do, I do my air quotes all the time too. Okay, good. <laughs> um, really isn't making us happy. And, I, and we, we kind of 
know that sometimes, but we just kind of scoff at it because there's a time to be happy and maybe it's later in life or maybe it's on the weekends or maybe it's when we're on the golf course, but happiness isn't meant to be or even necessarily respected as a day-to-day priority. Mm-hmm. And I always say our life here is very brief. And if we're just muddling through, there, there's really no point. Right. There's really no point. And I, I myself have been in a place where I have not been happy mm-hmm. and I don't want to muddle through life anymore. That's not what I'm here for. So that's, that's why I turned it. I'm, I try to turn it around because I think it's almost a stigma to say we're making happiness a priority, especially in this country. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and people do scoff and they think oh, happy, pfft, you know, what, what do you know? You know, and, 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 and I love the, the, the shoulds that we should on each other. You know, we, we should be doing this. We should be doing that. And more importantly, sometimes it's you should be doing this and exactly. you should be doing that. Um, you know, and, and I love in your book, you talk about don't should on other people either. Um, yeah. And, you know, it is something that I think is maybe one of the easiest things to, to push aside because we do think, well, we'll be happy when, yeah. and it's usually somewhere way down the line. You know, and right. for some people, maybe it's when my kids are out of out of here. Um, right. You know, when I when I get that promotion, when I retire, you know, all these things, and we don't stop to think how important it is that we're happy now. That's right, and part of it, I think, is is what I was talking about earlier in my own journey, which is we don't value ourselves in a way I would say is correct. Mm-hmm. You know, and so as an example, when I left a tr- my traditional job and I became my own consultant, you know, the, the big word that right. we don't like to talk about, mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden I wasn't able to value myself on a salary or a title anymore. I used mm-hmm. to have a grand title and then I didn't have it. I used to have paid benefits and I didn't have that. So the way I was valuing my worth was how well my business did and how well my book did mm-hmm. and how well my blog did. And so those all became almost existential priorities and it didn't matter if they made me happy Mm -hmm. because I didn't have the kind of self-worth or self-esteem to say, no matter what happens today, Mm -hmm. I'm still a good person and I still deserve to be happy. Instead, if things didn't go well or my book, when I got my first book, I I got it in the, it's such an exciting moment when you get your book, especially your first one. Mm -hmm. It arrived in a box and the color blue wasn't the right color blue. And I picked up the book Mm-hmm. And I threw it across the room Aww. and I had this just meltdown. And what I realized later, you know, after a good amount of therapy, <laughs> talking and coaching is it's because that book represented my worth. Right. And so I think as a country, if the way we value ourselves is our salary and our title mm-hmm. or how our kids are doing in a certain class, mm-hmm. whatever that might be, we're not going to make happiness a priority because we don't even think we deserve that can't even be part of the picture right. until we expressed a value. You know, and of course, one of the problems, and, and you talk about this in your book, is that what we really do is we compare ourselves to others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there's so many problems with that. Um, you know, I, I have so many people that, um, for my, my longtime listeners know that I was diagnosed several years ago with cancer, survived mm-hmm. a whole bunch of ugly, icky stuff. And, and, you know, I'm going merrily along. I got this great tattoo on my arm that says warrior. Oh, I love that. Um, I know, you know, it's, it's great fun. And I have so many people that say, oh my gosh, you're so wonderful. You're so, and so, you know, and, and then they'll compare themselves. I, you know, it, it's kind of the, I'm not worthy, you know, that yes. you know, yeah. I'm not worthy. And they will say, well, my problems are so, so small compared to yours. Um, and I was like, no, 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 no. Stop that. 
Yeah. Everybody's problems are as important to them as they need to be, you know, and, and because I've had, you know, I've had people where I've said, you know, why didn't you tell me this was happening? Oh, well, I, you know, I, I, I feel so bad comparing, you know, next to you because you've done so much. I'm like, okay, we all do what we have to do, which for me was not die. And, but you know, for somebody else, it might be that the most important thing to them is that they make it through the day without a meltdown, you know, or, or that, or maybe that they get the promotion, you know, all these various things. So we've absolutely got to stop comparing ourselves to others. Well, and I, I agree completely. And when you think about it, we are trained to do that first thing. Mm-hmm. Our whole life is being graded on a curve. Right. I mean, we're brought up getting graded. We mm-hmm. compare our grades with each other. Who makes honor roll? Who doesn't make honor right. roll? We have these top 10 lists, mm-hmm. people who earn their salaries, people who are the most influential. We don't make these. New York, I'm, a, I'm a writer, New York Times bestseller. And mm-hmm. so we, it's so tempting because we're trained very early to do it. We're trained very early that our own worth is only as good as, as good or as bad as the person next to us. Mm-hmm. And what we don't do is look at our own experience in its own universal way. And it's a, it's a very tempting, tempting thing to do. And the problem, of course, is that we always come out behind. Right. We always come out below. Mm-hmm. And we always feel bad about ourselves. Almost all, and even if we pretend not to, even if we meet those people who we say are so arrogant, we all know that they feel that way too. And they're overcoming that they're like, Oh my God, you know, if, if you only knew, Mm -hmm. of course, of course. And so I, you know, I have this whole thing about comparing and I'm, the thing is I'm very aware when I'm doing it, but to this day, if I'm doing a run down the street, I have an injury right now and I'm doing a run down the street and someone's speeding by me. Mm -hmm. I can't, there's a piece of me that just, Right, feels right. lazy, feels late, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I talk about in the book that I, I think we all do is I say we compare our insides to other people's outsides. Mm-hmm. So we go onto something like Facebook, which I call fake book. Oh, I know. Uh, even though I'm honest. Mm-hmm. And we all know, we all know that the, it's like a resume. We're going to put the best of the best of ourselves on Facebook. And so we're having a terrible day or we had something go wrong or we lost it on our kids. Mm-hmm. And then we watch somebody on Facebook. So that's our insides. Right. And then we watch somebody's external portrayal of themselves. Mm-hmm. And we, we pretend it's apples to apples. And right. then we really come out behind. Mm-hmm. So there's just, there's so many dangers to this. Well, and you know, I always laugh. Um, I don't have kids. And, and you mentioned when we were chatting before, you don't have kids. And so, you know, we never had to deal with all of this where, you know, our kids went through the whole thing of they got participation trophies. Right. Don't keep score. Right. <laughs> right. Maybe the parents didn't keep score, but those kids knew we had four goals and you had two. Um, right. You know, and, 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 and it is, I like the concept of recognizing everyone's value. And that really is what the participation trophies are and, and things like that. But I, to me, there almost kind of has to be that happy medium because people do win. You know, you, you do have first place. You have somebody who got an A. You know, you have you know, what a, somebody who got the raise. Okay. And so, you know, it's, it's all kind of tied together. We can't have one without the other. Well, I think, just, I think what we can do, and I think this is, again, very hard for us as a society, is definitely build up and acknowledge the people who win, mm-hmm. but, but that should come with a message that, that doesn't mean if you didn't win, you are lesser than. Right. And that's, you know, we're all starting at this place, and some people are going to exceed in certain ways at certain times, mm-hmm. and that's great. Them going up does not mean you are going down. Right. And that's where we struggle. 
connecting. Well, and you know, it's it's funny. I remember seeing sometime somewhere that the one of the worst things in the world is to be a silver Olympic medalist. Mm-hmm. You know? right. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you're an Olympic medalist. Right. People call that the first loser, which yeah, I think is terrible. Yeah, they do. You're the first loser. I'm like, you know, and, and they say bronze is okay, but you don't want to be the first loser. Yeah. And, you know, as you said, people forgot what, you know, what got us to that point, you know, and, and in, you know, in, in say an Olympic sport, sometimes it's a fraction of a second different, yeah. um, but, you know, or you didn't get that promotion, but, you know, or you know, whatever it is, we still put in the effort. Now, if we didn't put in the effort, you know, if we, if we got last place because we shirked off, okay, that's a different discussion. Right. But, you know, if we're still giving it our all and trying our hardest, then that does need to be recognized. Um, you know, and, and I love, you know, I'm obviously a big sports fan. And one of the things that always, always, you know, brings me to tears is when I see like a sports competition and usually it's a track and field type of thing where somebody falls mm-hmm. and the other participants go back and help them. Right. And so they know, I mean, those people who went back know that they just sacrificed winning. Right. But they won in a different way. Um, and, and actually to me, they won in a better way. Right. I, I think there's a big difference between what we do and who we are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think the the problem, I think a lot of the times the problem is we equate, again, I'm going to go back to this idea of self-worth and, and valuing ourselves. Mm-hmm. If we get the silver, that's something we did that didn't maybe measure up to the gold. Right. But we use that with who we are and how we as people mm-hmm. then stack up against the person who won the gold. Right. And as really- to the whole world, which you- know. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and when we stop the person who stumbles- Mm-hmm. That's about who we are. Mm-hmm. That's about the person that we are. Not about winning. We we all want to succeed, and we all want to achieve certain things, and that makes sense by what we do. Right. But what really matters is is who we are, and that is a static thing. That doesn't go up and down the way a good day or a bad day. My blog, if I get this many hits versus this many hits, that's about what I did and how that blog did. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make me better or less than as right. a person. And that's what I think we all struggle with mm-hmm. is making that that differentiation. Right. You know, and uh, same thing, you know, if say we're talking Facebook and you've got, you know, a post that did well and a post that didn't do well. Right. Well, you know, you should pay attention to that, especially if you're doing this for business, because you need to figure out why the one did well and why the other one didn't. Was it timing? Was it content? Was it whatever? Mm-hmm. And then try to, to, to fix that. But, you know, it shouldn't be, oh my God, this post only got two likes. Right, right. You know, who knows what else was going on, you know, and all these various things. And so it's, right. and, and it is, it's just, we do get so caught up in the numbers. Um, yeah. You know, fortunately things are, are changing a bit, uh, especially, you know, with social media. I have, uh, and that's one of the things I do for clients is I manage their social media. And, you know, they used to tell me buy people who liked our page. Cause you could, I mean, there was that whole little cottage industry and I would tell them, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Don't right. inflate like that. These have to be true organic people who like you and right. therefore want to do business with you. Um, well, and think about that terminology. I mean, Facebook is smart. Using the word like. Uh-huh. That is a little <laughs> and, and they don't have dislike. I mean, how many times do we say, I really want a dislike button? I really, really, yeah, really want a yeah, dislike yeah. button. Right. But what we see is if a post gets liked, mm-hmm. then we are likable. 
Right. Where we are this likable versus, oh, yesterday we were more likable. Mm-hmm. And again, we, we confuse the post with the poster. Right. And the poster is likable. You're you. You're wonderful. You're awesome. Mm-hmm. A post might not do that great. That's okay. But even the word like, I think, cuts to the core of what we learned as little kids, which mm-hmm. is be likable, mm-hmm. be friendly, you know, have friends. And that's, that's just a tricky, it's tricky for us as adults to right. learn, you know, to go through those lessons and not take it all so personally. Mm-hmm. And and you're right. We do we do internalize it, um, and and it starts when we're very little. You know, part of it, like I'm an only child, so mm. yeah. And I grew up in a very small mountain town. I mean, you know, my my graduating class had 32. Wow. <laughs> I know, isn't that wild? In the whole county that we had one school, so the whole county. And I think last year's class. Now, granted, I graduated a long time ago, but <laughs> last year's class had like 10. Oh, um, but, wow. So, you know, and so maybe that's why I have a different concept on quantity because <laughs> I grew up with a small amount, but, um, you know, it, it is something where we always are thinking, what are they thinking about us? Right. What are they thinking about what we're wearing, what we're saying, what we're doing? Right. Um, and, and then we in turn judge. I mean, you know, I, I look at, I look at Facebook, I look at TV, I look at whatever and I think, ah. How can they be doing that? Yes, yes. And yeah. you know, and and then you know, I s- mentally smack myself upside the head. One of the, you know, like I'll look at good example. I'll look at a young woman, you know, somewhere, you uh, dressed what I would say might be a little inappropriately, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and maybe she's got a couple little extra pounds, and so it's like, and 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 so the first thought is, oh God, does she know how she looks? And then I stop and I think. Think of the wonderful self-esteem she has because mm-hmm. she does. I mean, you know, and, and, and so that's kind of that too is, oh my gosh, you know, she, he, you know, they are confident in themselves. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously what we need to do is we need to raise children who are like that. Right. Um, you know, and, and, but it's also in the workplace, you know, what can we do to be bringing happiness to others? You know, are we going, Deirdre? Yeah. Do you know that you misplaced a comma? Right. Oh my gosh, Deirdre, this was a great report. And then, you know, you can do the little, you know, this needs fixed. But, you know, we automatically, so in so many cases, go to the criticism. Right. And the other thing we do is we criticize out of a lens of our priorities and our values. Right. I'm the grammar Nazi. So then if I see some, I'm like, oh. And so I smack myself upside the head and go, okay, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Right, right. And we assume, the the thing we do, because I do a lot of DISC trainings and those are all about Mm -hmm. behavioral styles. Mm -hmm. And I always say, one of the biggest mistakes that we make, whether it's in the workplace or with our relationships, with our friendships, is to make assumptions that other people's priorities, motivators, and stressors are the same as ours. Right. And so while we want to know a company's goals, we want to know our job's goals, you know, I am with you on the grammar Nazi thing. I'm, I'm with that. And if I, gosh, one of the worst things that happens is if somebody replies to one of my emails and the subject line has a mistake in it because I, I wrote it first, I'm like, oh, God. But you know what? That is my stressor. And then what I do is I make assumptions about mm-hmm. the fact that they're judging me and what right. they're thinking. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing we do is you said, you know, we, we walk around and we look and, and we, we wonder what are they thinking about mm-hmm. us. But I think the other thing we do is we think we know. Right. We actually have a whole dialogue in their head mm-hmm. about what they're thinking about us. Right. And first of all, and they may not have even noticed, which yeah. is, you know, then, that's, then you're thinking, oh my gosh, they didn't notice me. But <laughs> Right. I know. That's, that's all our own stuff and our own way of valuing and needing that validation. 
it's all human. Mm -hmm. But the important thing is to recognize that when we let the way we feel about ourselves and our own kind of values around self-worth drive the decisions we make instead of what is going to make us happy, mm-hmm. we are not going to be happy. We are not going to be as happy as we certainly could be. Right. And that's the danger. Well, now in your book, you talk about a happiness ratio. So what is that? And then talk a little bit more about it. Great. Um, this is one of my most important lessons. I, and I think it's really important, especially as we look and reflect on this past year and go into the new year. Um, so before this, this book I wrote, which is a mini book, it's a hundred little pages. It's a teeny little book. Yes. I read it in like an hour and a half. Oh, good. I love this little baby. Yes. Um, the one I wrote before this was called Bogus Balance. And it's that whole idea that work-life balance doesn't exist, but you can be happy anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's what you talked about, which is, you know, we got to find what makes us happy. We have to like our jobs. It's not, work-life balance is a problem because first of all, work is a part of life. Mm-hmm. So any kind of statement or phrase that makes it sound like work is separate is part of the problem. Right. But anyway, I was, I did a bunch of research for bogus balance and I I did basically what I did was I looked at all my contacts and I have thousands of contacts and I whittled down to about a hundred people. And some of them I knew in college, some of them I knew just barely, Mm -hmm. uh, but people who to me seemed very content in life, kind of grace under pressure. They didn't have, it wasn't that they didn't have tragedies in their lives. It wasn't that they hadn't been through divorces or, or lost jobs or, or even lost children, some of them. Mm-hmm. But it was that in their skin, they seemed comfortable. Right. In general, they seemed happy. So I did a bunch of interviews and focus groups with them. And one of the things that came out of that was this happiness ratio idea. And basically, the principle is, in every single part of your life, every single separate part of your life, you need to be happy a minimum, a minimum of 70% of 70%. So that's over kind of a, a term of a couple of weeks, maybe a month, is that in your job and in your relationship and in your groups and in your friendships, whatever else you spend your time doing, you need to be at least 70-30. Like what you said, you know, I don't love invoicing. I don't love QuickBooks. But there are certain parts of my job I love, 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 love. And those parts... Well, I'm going to love getting the money from the invoices. So. Right. <laughs> Depositing the check is always happy. Um, but if you're not at 70-30, and, and this is not an average. That's why I say it so specifically. My husband is my first editor. And the first time I wrote this out, he's like, no, no, no. People are going to think they can average it out. So if they have a great relationship but a terrible job, right. that's okay. Mm-hmm. not okay. Um, and by the way, we all know for most of us, we spend the majority of our time more than anything, doing our work and with right. the people at our work. So that one is actually very important. Mm-hmm. So it's a good way to kind of quantitatively measure what parts of my life are working for me and my happiness mm-hmm. and what parts aren't. And by happy, it's, it's that feeling of being content. It's that feeling of coming back from vacation or getting to a Sunday if your job starts on a Monday for the week and feeling good about that. Right. Not it's thinking, about, oh my God, it's yes, Monday. It's that cringe factor versus the non-cringe factor. It's how we feel at the beginning of a day versus the end of a day, all of that. Mm-hmm. And so if we're feeling good, if we're feeling positive about our jobs and our lives, 70% of the time, each segment, mm-hmm. good. That's pretty good. If we are anywhere below that, or even at 70, but 70 seems fair, 80 might seem a little lofty, mm-hmm. uh, then we have the power to make change. And the problem is, Change is so scary, and I understand that, right. um, that we like to believe we do not have the power. Mm-hmm. We like to believe we do not have the choices that we do 
to get us out of some of those situations because it's a scary prospect. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've heard lots of reasons and lots of excuses, frankly, about why people can't make change. And they're, for the most part, they're just really awesome excuses that we ourselves believe because change is such a scary proposition. Mm -hmm. So that's what it's about. Well, and it is, you know, it is scary, you know, because we get in this little comfort zone and, you know, it's called a comfort zone for a reason. You know, we're comfortable there. We might not be happy there, but we're comfortable there. Right. And, you know, and and the what ifs are really scary. Yes. Um, You know, and and I think that is probably one of the biggest problems is people think, well, I I can put up with it. I can tolerate it. You know, all those various things. And so many times, it's a little tweak, a little change that might make a huge difference. That's right. That's right. And it's those lessons of grin and bear it and grit your teeth through it mm-hmm. and earn your keep that allows us to say, that's right, I can grin and bear this. Right. I don't have to make a change. And you're right. Some of the changes can be quite small. And I, I have a chapter in my book about, you know, and it means going after kind of explicitly what you want and, right. and talking to others about that. But it can be small, it can be big. We, you know, we, we fear, the, the big thing is this whole fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Because the comfort zone is known. For the most part, we know how things are going to go based on the past, based on the fact that we've been doing it for a while. Right. And so we feel secure. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's that what if, or it's that if I change this, then what? Mm-hmm. I, I had a woman who used the word hate when she talked about her husband. Oh, I mean, that's a t- that's a big word, and she was not joking. She really, really, really hated hated her husband, and she said, "But what if I don't find anybody better?" And so, of course, I had a lot of responses to that. One of which is, "Why do you need anybody? You know, you may not need anybody at all. Right. Maybe this will be a freeing time for you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't find anybody better, then you'll keep looking or whatever." Right. That, and she and alone had, is okay. Alone is okay, um, but she wasn't brought up with that. But that should, right? Her should was, you should right. be married. You should be married. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she gave me, you know, she was miserable. Well, not just a little. She mm-hmm. wasn't at 70. She wasn't even at 60, 40. She was at maybe 595. Oh, as far as her thing. I'm surprised she could, could I'm, I'm actually surprised she was alive. Yeah, she could barely function. And you know what? She was angry. Mm-hmm. And it brought out the worst in her. Right. Oh, you know, and I'm sure people loved being around her. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, you hear these because of the fear of I. I don't. I know this thing mm-hmm. as horrible, and that's an example. But the you devil, see, you know, right? Exactly, exactly. Or the job, or maybe I'm fifty fifty, or mm-hmm. may, you know, maybe today. Here's the other thing: we think it's not hitting seventy thirty. We know it's more like maybe fifty fifty, but then we have a really good day, right? And so we think, oh, everything's changing, and so we can kind of rest on that for a mm-hmm. while. We know, if we really look at this ratio and we really kind of look at the different parts of our life, we know in our gut instinctively mm-hmm. where, where the biggest issues are, but we have become incredibly adept right. at making up stories and excuses mm-hmm. based on our shoulds, based on what we've learned our whole lives about why we can't make change. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the retraining we need to do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, and a big part of it is communicating with the people that, that you know you, you are spending the most time with, your right. spouse, your coworkers, your boss, your your whoever. Um, you know, it's it's funny, you and I, you know, we really are soul sisters. As I was reading your book and you were talking talking about your husband, I thought, oh yeah, I have the same thing. You know, I expect that my husband can read my mind. Right. 
<laughs> and you know, and then I get really annoyed when he doesn't. And you know, and I've done the the vague, you know, like hinting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be that sounds like an interesting event. Yeah. And that's as far as I go. And then, you know, like the day after the event, I'm all picked up. And he's yeah. like, What did I do? And I said, Well, you know, I really wanted to go to that. And he will look at me and he will say, Then why didn't you say that? Right, right. And, and then I do that, well, you should have known or I wouldn't have even told you about it. You know, and it's like, oh, okay, that's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> We've been married yeah. 25 years and we're still struggling with this. And, you know, and or we do the, you know, how did my boss not know that I like this, I didn't like this, you know, whatever it was, you know, I, we, we do, you know, we talk about assumptions and what that means, but we, do, we expect people to read our minds. That's right. Because we expect their lens to be the same as ours. Right. And by the way, everybody's lens is their own first priority. So people aren't even paying attention <laughs> necessarily to what you want or even thinking about that. Some people maybe are more, more empathetic. Some people think about that more. But the fact of the matter is nobody's in your brain. And sometimes, you know, I talk about this in the book. Sometimes the reason we're not explicit, and I, I use the words explicit, clear, and unapologetic. Mm-hmm about going after the things that we want or asking for the things that we want. And sometimes we feel we're putting people out. And sometimes if we ask for something, especially in a work environment, there's always that fear of rejection of being told no. Um, but we are our best odds of getting what we want or making change happen when we figure out what that is. And then we go after it explicitly and unapologetically. I mean, my husband and I have been together 20 years and you'd think, Sometimes I do say to him, you know, after 20 years, I cannot believe I have to say the words to you, I would like to be validated right now. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, one of the things I've learned after 20 years is that we speak, we both speak English, but we speak different languages. Right. And it, this is the same with everybody else. So, you know, we can take it personally when someone doesn't get our hint or we could know that mm-hmm. hints are very hard and very gray and, and we, it's on us to be more clear. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're having their own conversations in their minds. And and so it could be that they just totally missed the hint. (laughs) You know, all these various things, or they're thinking, oh, we don't, you know, and and, yeah, you know, because again, we've put ourselves in their brain and, and we shouldn't have. Right. That's right. We, we make the assumption that they are having the same experience and that again, the priorities, motivators, stressors are the same. So not only do I assume that someone should know what I want? I kind of assume that they would too. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's just that we all have different experiences. We have different ways we were born and wired and things that, that we get excited about and things we don't. Some people might love invoicing Deb. Who knows? I, there, there are. I mean, there are people who, and, and I know this lovely woman here in Atlanta who she loves doing bookkeeping and and she's she's good at it. She's passionate about it, you know. And 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 I look at her and I think, ah. But right. you know, she loves. And but I know that she looks at me and goes, oh my god, how can you love doing what you're doing? Right, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. My husband in a million years. It's funny. So sometimes I'll do like a keynote presentation, and it's one of the most. It's so exciting when I do that, and I I get to talk about things and interact and let people share and all that. And my husband's in the back, and he's selling my books. And some people say to him, and I also, I also do a little bit of community theater. And he does the same thing. He sits in the back and he does the lighting and the tech. Uh-huh. And people go up to him and they say, do you ever want to be up there? And he goes, heck no. Oh, yeah. oh my <laughs> husband would rather die than do yes. some stuff I do. 
Right. But the biggest mistake we can make is thinking, oh, of course, of course, mm-hmm. he would want to do that same thing. Let's give him an opportunity to do that. When that's his, it, that, he would really rather stick needles in his eye, almost literally, almost right. literally, right. and yeah. be up there doing what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things as I was reading your book, and, and really, it is a fast read, folks. I read it in an hour and a half. It's this tiny little book. It has, let's see, 105 pages, including the abouts, the intro, the table of contents, all those things. So teeny tiny little book, definitely worth the read. But as I was reading it, I thought, okay, Deirdre, what about the people who seem to love to be unhappy? Yes, yes. So there are people like that, um, and they they get something out of that. Mm-hmm. So we know people, I, you know, oh, I usually call them Debbie Downers, but I cannot say that. <laughs> oh, no, you can't say that now. <laughs> no. I, let me say this. Though. I think one of the most important things we choose in our lives is who we surround ourselves with. Right. You know, sometimes we have a coworker and they, maybe they're in the desk next to us. We can't always do anything about that. Sometimes we can. Mm-hmm. We can. Um, but other than that, and maybe our kids, but other than that, there's everybody else we choose to have around us or not. Mm-hmm. And there is something that people, there is a value for some people in that when they complain, maybe they get attention. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, we, we know people who then have people lift them up. Right. They're, they're a bit martyr or whatever that might be, or they love to gossip. There's some toxic, there's some competition. Mm-hmm. Um, people like that, I, I will say, I, you know, I, and, and we all have those moments. So I don't want to be so. We, we have pity parties. Let's be we honest. Do, we do. The difference is, you know, for me, I will say, I am going into a pity party right now and it's not going to be the best of me mm-hmm. and I'm only going to be surrounded by people and I'm going to slip, I'll slam something or, but I'll know it. And I'll, I also know how that impacts other people. Right. I do not have, I was not born or kind of bred with a value system that I get something out of being negative all the time. Mm-hmm. And so for some people, Whatever value they get, whether it's that external validation or that kind of joy of putting other people's down to build themselves up, it is very hard to rewire that. And some people one day will say, that's enough. I need to be happy. And some people won't. Mm -hmm. Um, The most important thing we can do is watch ourselves and how much we surround ourselves with people who take joy in negative, toxic behavior. Right. And frankly, I would say cut it down, but for me... My tolerance for toxicity like that, I mean, we all, like I said, we all have our moments, mm-hmm. but for constant toxicity, I just eliminate. Yeah. I have no Oh, yeah. No I, I just try to avoid those people. Yeah, yeah. And you can. It's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard. And there's another one I hear people, you know, who say, well, if I, if I cut this person out of my life, then there's three other people that are part of the group. And there's just choices we have to make. And mm-hmm. maybe sometimes we just emphasize different friendships over others. But, but you, when you surround yourself with that, we all have an energy and we all, no matter who you are, mm-hmm. have a little level of empathy and we pick that stuff up. Right. And there are people I know if I get around them, I'll gossip more. Mm-hmm. And that's the people I just, and it's not them. It's my propensity to let that happen. So I'm very careful with, it's kind of like the air you breathe, the food you put into your body, mm-hmm. the people you put around yourself matter. And, right. and we can be there for people. We can try to help them and ask good questions, motivational interview, are you happy or not? Is there any, any way I can help you? But if they're, if they're just determined to be unhappy because of whatever value they get out of that, then I just know for me it's time to kind of part, part ways. Right, 
Right. And, and interact with them as little as possible. Um, right. you know, and, and, and Facebook is, of course, one of those, those things where people are, you know, we mentioned that, you know, they're, they're perfect. You know, they only post that or they only post horrible, awful things. Exactly. And, you know, and, and so I have, you know, th- there are people that, you know, are definitely like that, that I am friends with on Facebook. They're, you know, they're the chicken littles. We'll, we'll do that as opposed to Debbie Downers. You know, the <laughs> I'll never use it again. I promise. That's, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, you know, the they are that the sky is always falling. You know, and 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 part of me feels bad for them because I do think, oh my gosh, you know, this is horrible. This is awful. But I remove myself from. I don't read their posts. Yeah. I, and so I know I'm missing good stuff too. I mean, I've even gone to the the point on some of them of unfollowing them. So so they still see my posts, but I don't see theirs. Yeah. Um, right, that's the trick. And but you know, I just I don't want to get sucked into that right. because it is. It's you know it, because then then we start comparing the negatives. Um, right. You know, I I will talk to anybody about my health. But I try and keep it positive, um, you know, and, and, and I, you know, be, I, I will have a lot of people who contact me who were just diagnosed. And mm. one of the things that I always tell them is you can never, ever, 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 ever compare yourself with me or with anybody else who has cancer because it's always different, you know, and, and so you have to keep that in mind and, and you know, figure out what's best for you. Um, but, but then sometimes it really does come into that. Well, I had this happen. Ooh, no, I had this happen. And then it's, it's yeah. compare the ickies. It's like, Oh, fine. Right. You know, and and right. as opposed to the, you know, we compare the good stuff. Right, right. And we really I mean, shouldn't be comparing the good stuff either, but, you know, that's... Well, but there's a reality, I think, you know, with my blogs, I've shared a lot of my, I've shared a lot of my issues and a lot of my incidents where mm-hmm. I haven't been at my best, but I never, you know, I'm not going to play the victim. I, what I right. find is, is a connective tissue between all of us is relatability. Right. And so if I say, here's what I did, here's a mistake I made, or here's the thing that happened to me that wasn't even my fault, mm-hmm. but what I don't do is get into the pity party. Uh, what I tell you is, you know, there's maybe two or three people in my life. I'll go to and I'll say, can you believe this happened to me? Like I, I really, right. we've got those girlfriends we can dish with. Yes, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But for the, you know, but you know what I know they're going to do? They're going to say, I'm really sorry, Deirdre. That's mm-hmm. terrible. And you're still an awesome person. Right. And they're going to, they're not going to get into it with me and, and break me down. I'm with you on the, on the Facebook thing and the other social media. I am, it's, it doesn't take much for me to unfollow someone, especially kind of, and we're not going to get into that too much, but this political environment, oh, when things get nasty, I'm just not going to do it. Because no. you know what that does? That exposes me to stuff and brings right. out the worst in me. Mm-hmm. It brings out the worst in me, and I don't want that. Right. Well, and I, I just don't read the posts, whatever they are, good or bad, you know, exactly. which side, whatever side. And, you know, and so that helps. But, you know, I do, I look at some of the, and I'm like, you only post all this horrible stuff. Right. And then my mind goes into, is your life like that? You know, and then it's like, stop that, stop that. You know, it's, and, and for all I know, they think it's funny that they're posting. You know, and, and that's the other thing is we don't know the context of, you know, are they being a devil's advocate? Are they, you know, I saw a post the other day that someone did about Christmas and it was how depressed they got at Christmas time. Mm-hmm. For a variety of reasons. And, and you know, let's be honest. For, for many, many people, the holidays are a very sad time. For, right. You know, for whatever reason. And so this post was all about that. And, and you know, and, and I was reading it because I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I know this person. I feel so bad for them. How can I help them? 
And then I realized it was a cut and paste. Yes, I saw the same one. It still might be valid for them, you know, yeah. and, and but it was like, wait a minute, I just saw six other people post the same thing. Yeah. So does that mean they don't feel bad or they do feel bad? And then it was like, okay not going to read that. So when I see that, that post, I just, I just skip it. Um, well, the other part of that post too, that I thought was interesting, cause I, you know, I, I've had a couple of things happen this year. I had a loss and mm-hmm. you know, the holidays aren't happy. And, and the post I saw, it, 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 gosh, so much in our life, Deb has become so conditional, right. the way we feel about ourselves, mm-hmm. the way we feel about other people, the way, you, whatever. And so I saw this woman write and say, you know, the holidays are hard time. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if you care, if you agree, Paste it in your own. Yeah. Sharing doesn't count. And I'm like, I can care about you without like some kind of conditional chain mail. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that just, I don't need to prove I care about you no. by some weird thing on Facebook. No. I'm sorry this happened to you. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't have to, to go through some kind of ropes course right. for you mm-hmm. to know I care. Real relationships aren't conditional like that. And that's, that's what I aim for, are those mm-hmm. real ones. Yeah. You know, and, and it is, it's, it's social media has done so many wonderful things, but also so many bad things, um, you know, and, and, and I mean, a big part of it is probably, you know, okay, I'll raise my hand on this. We do spend too much time on it yes. and not enough time interacting with those real people, uh, right. you know, and, and all those things. But, you know, it's also, it can be a great source of strength. I mean, you know, I have a private Facebook group and that's where I talk about, here's what's going on with me. Now, yeah. you know, 400 yeah. of my closest friends are part of this group, which is actually, you know, I, I, I'm very humbled by that. Yeah. Um, but it is the place where I can say, you know what, I feel like crap today. And, yeah. and this is what's going on. And, you know, but, but it's also the place where I put the inspirational comments and all of those things. But in my main feed, I don't put that. You know, that's, that's not what I'm going to put there. And, and I try really hard to not be the, the, the complainer there. Do we on occasion? Sure. Um, you know, I had a post last week. I had bronchitis, so I was in urgent care. I'm in urgent care, and my husband calls to say he's been in a fender bender. Uh, and he was on his way to pick up the dog who'd had surgery. And, uh, you know, it was, I mean, but, you know, of course, I have to make this into a joke. And so, and, but now here's the funny part, and this is the, the real thing. The, the woman told the police officer, you know, the woman who hit my husband, told the police officer, the police officer, that... She wouldn't have hit Tom if he had run the red light. And then she was surprised <laughs> that she got the ticket. But, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh. You know, and, and so, you know, it was kind of this whiny, whiny. But then I was like, okay, hey, we're going to make this funny. Um, and, you know, all these various things. So people said, you know, okay, I hope you feel better. Oh, my God, I can't believe that woman. You know, all these various things. But, you know, yeah. it's, I think probably the other thing that we have got to get out of the habit of, just as we need to get into the habit of being happy, is we've got to get out of the habit of telling everything. Right. You know, there are those people on Facebook who block yeah. all the time, you know, and, yeah. and now granted, we're not seeing pictures so much anymore. This is what I had for lunch. You mm-hmm. know, <laughs> remember that was the trend for a real yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, all these things, but it, it's okay to keep some stuff private. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, I think we think, you know, I do this. I do this presentation called "How to Engage Anyone at Any Time," and this is in my other uh, Tough Truths book, which is also on leadership. It's on leadership. It's another mm-hmm. mini book. And I wrote one of the Tough Truths is know that nobody's going to find you as interesting as you do. Right. And so we think just because our kid had you know this amazing soccer game that someone's going to want to hear all the details. Uh-huh. Nope. Short and sweet, baby. Mm-hmm. But short and sweet. You know, I think we need to we need to understand that 
that our life is our life and our lens is, is, is really important to us and other people have incredible lives and incredible lenses and things we have no idea about. Mm-hmm. And it's that connectivity and that relatability and being there for each other instead of kind of vomiting everything out. I mean, the thing that really upsets me the most are the comments. Mm-hmm. You know, like an article, an article came out yesterday and I found myself, oh, I don't know why, scrolling down into the comments. Mm-hmm. Don't ever do that. Because no. it, 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 it makes you kind of lose your space and fellow men. Yeah. It's all those weird. trolls. I'm like, oh, really? Do you not yeah. have anything better to do with your life? It's so sad. It's really, it's so that kind of stuff I just choose to kind of get away from. Right. But, you know, one other thing, and not to keep kind of um, demonizing social media, because I agree with you, there's some, there's some good things to it. But one thing we really have gotten out of the habit of, because we don't have to, thanks to our phones, mm-hmm. is quietness and reflection, and in a way, being bored. So right. look, on a, look on a Walmart line when we're all waiting, and I do it. Mm-hmm. God, some of us do it at stoplights. Some of us right. do it in the middle of the night when we come back mm-hmm. from the bathroom. We never take a second, right. you know, because we don't have to. We're mm-hmm. so overstimulated now mm-hmm. um, to say, am I happy, or what's going on, or what can I do next? It's way too easy to escape and distract from the things that aren't making us happy, to not think about things, to not plan, to not even reflect anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's what this little book is really trying to do. I mean, every year, at least once, I do a personal strategic plan where I reflect on the highs of the year and I reflect on the lows of the year. Mm -hmm. And I think, what am I going to increase? What am I going to add? What am I going to decrease? Who am I going to decrease? Who am I going to increase? What's new thing? Who do I envy and why? And what do I want to add in? If we don't take the time to do that, we start to lose touch with ourselves. We're not right. only losing touch with each other because of mm-hmm. being leaders or social media, but we're really not taking a moment to think or generate or reflect quietly anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's actually one of the, the bigger losses. Right. Well, and you have a chapter in the in the little book about we live for the ding, you know, that oh, notification, yeah. that email. And I have the ding turned off on everything yeah. because, I mean, you know, it would, it would just be going ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I don't want a notification for email. I don't want to, now I do get a notification for texts. That is the one thing that I still get because that's how I tell people if it's urgent. Right. Text me. Yeah. And, and my mother, bless her, she's 86 years old. She texts. She, you know, she loves me. And you know, so I don't want to miss her text. Now, my husband, on the other hand, I can text him and four days later, he'll respond. Right. Um, you know, right. I, oh, you know, good thing there wasn't something urgent going on. But yeah, um, but yeah we live for that ding. You know, and, and we get up in the middle of the night and we check our phone. And did somebody respond to that email? And oh, you know, what was the comment on my Facebook post? And, and we really should just stop and chill for a minute. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, it all goes back to kind of, I, I know I'm, I'm, I got a broken record going here, but the way we value ourselves mm-hmm. is, is how many dings did we get? That's right. So I, I was once in a session where a woman asked, um, there was leading the session. She said, how would you feel tomorrow morning if you opened up your email and there were no messages? And at first everybody's like, Oh my God, that'd be great. Oh my God. That'd be great. But then she's like, how would you really feel? Right. And as people kind of thought about that, you can almost see the, the discomfort because mm-hmm. what those dings have grown to mean, whether it's a like or an email or a text, mm-hmm. is someone's thinking of me, I'm important, right. I matter to someone, uh, all of those things. And we all are there. We all are there. If you're telling me you really don't care, I, 
I don't know, then you are an evolved person. Mm -hmm. But whether, you know, in the past it's been the number of answering machine beeps, and before that maybe it was the number of letters we got, you know, holiday cards. How many Christmas cards? Exactly. All of that becomes a measure, not just of just different thoughts and correspondences, but how worthwhile are we? Are we valuable enough to have people think of us and email us sometime between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. when we get up to go to the bathroom? Right. And we let that directly impact how we feel about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's our danger. Well, and I'm the generation that grew up on the Charlie Brown TV shows. Yeah. Where, whether it was the holiday one or Valentine's or whatever, and Charlie Brown goes and he opens the box and goes, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and we did. I mean, you know, was, and so, you know, and, and then it was always funny because, you know, we were forced to give Valentine's, you know, so that everybody got the same. Right. Not, yes. and so then, then, of course, they didn't mean anything because, you know, it was, it, you know, everybody got them. So then they meant nothing. And, and so, you know, there was that weirdness. But it, it is, it's just such a, uh, an odd concept of how we value ourselves. Um, you know, and, and we've only got, you know, about five uh, minutes left. And so, you know, I want to oh, keep going. so fast. I know, isn't this <laughs> wild? Um, and, and you have these other books that we didn't even talk about that I want to talk about. You know, it's, you know, you've got, so the, the book has 10 happiness lessons and, you know, we've kind of, you know, mentioned several of them. Talk to us about a couple more that you really feel are so valuable because again, it's the end of the year, but of course people are listening to this program at, at any point in time, yes. but you know, folks, it is, I, I actually, let me, let me preface this with the, the thing that I got most out of your book is it's a choice. Mm. You know, it is a choice we make to be happy or to be unhappy. Mm. But then all of this comes from it. You know, do they ignore the other voices, ignore the this, ignore the that. Um, Mm. But, you know, talk to us a little bit more about the ones that that you really feel our listeners need to know. Good. Thank you. Um, And I'm so glad you got the whole thing about it's a choice. It's meant to give you your power back even if you don't want it. Right. um, but there's a few, there's, there's one I really love. And I did a blog on this that was very well received. And it's a very practical way to deal with change and the unknown. And I don't know how this one struck you, but I, there's a very big danger with the word hope. I love and, that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I hope and, this happens. Exactly. You know, and, and God bless vision boards. You know, we, but the problem is, we say we're going to change, but only if I find the next perfect husband mm-hmm. or only if I get this dream job. The word dream, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so I say, you know, when we're looking at change and we're looking at going into an experience or even if we're having dinner with the in-laws and we hope it's going to go a certain way, I try to, as much as I can, replace the word hope with the word curious. Uh-huh. Because when we're looking ahead to change, we're, we have a new New Year's resolution. We're going to find a new job. We're going to find new friends. We're going to join this meetup. We're going to find this new community. I hope it's the one. Mm-hmm. I, the, the dangerous thing about vision boards is we cut out a picture right. of exactly what it that. must be. It must be this or else it wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. And not everybody does it that way. Right. Um, but what am I... They'll put like the, the blue Porsche, you yes, know, and, and, exactly. I can, and it's like, uh, okay, well, maybe if I get a new used car, that's going to work too. Right. Well, and we all know when we look backwards... Sometimes we'll say, you know, I wish this never happened. I, I was divorced myself, I think I mentioned. And mm-hmm. I would say, you know, in the beginning, God, I wish, I wish I never let myself get married. But you know what? I learned so much. And it made me such a better spouse and partner now. Mm-hmm. And I know he did too. And so, you know, we hope 
this, the, my first marriage lasted forever, but you know what? I, I'm glad it didn't go the way I hoped right. because I became who I am because of that. And so we can't possibly, believe it or not, predict the way everything's going to go. But if we pin all of these expectations, we put all this pressure on our change, then we're never going to change because the pressure's way too much. Right. And then we get devastated if it doesn't happen. So, so exactly that way. So what I try to do, whether it's a new project, a new book, a new blog, you know, instead of saying I have to get this many hits or I have to sell this many, I think I'm curious as to how this is going to be taken. And I really try to stay in that space. It's hard. Right. Um, so that's one, of my, that's one of my favorite ones because I think it's a really practical tool. Mm-hmm. When we're looking at making choices, we, the other thing we do is we say, you know, this is, I've heard people say, this is going to be a, the job I have till I retire. Mm-hmm. Or the car I have to, how do you know? Maybe it's not going to work out. Right. Don't put all that pressure on yourself. <laughs> if you need to change again to make yourself even happier, mm-hmm. because by the way, our needs, wants, desires, and priorities also change. Mm-hmm. Because what used to love, we used to love, we may not anymore. Right. Do it again. Mm-hmm. So stop putting so much pressure on yourself. So that's one of my, that's one of my very favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I love the curiosity one because you know, as I was thinking about that, I thought, you look at little kids. Mm-hmm. who are so curious, you know, yeah. and, and part of that makes them fearless. You right. know, they're, they're curious about what would happen if they did this. And so they just blunder right on, you know, they, they don't stop to think, okay, this might happen. Right. <laughs> and right. we lose that because we do become fearful. Yeah. And now granted there, you know, we need to be self-protective. I mean, uh, you know, especially if it's going to do bodily injury, sure. but you know, we need to get back to that childlike wonder of being curious and being fearless and thinking, you know, and, and I think the biggest thing is, what if it doesn't work? Well, you know, 99.9% of the time, the world doesn't come to an end. That's right. That's right. It hasn't yet. Right. My, my husband will say that. He'll say, are you excited about this meeting? Are you excited about this? Or are you hopeful? Are you excited? And I'll say, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. And it's not that I'm not looking forward to it and I'm not anticipating it, mm-hmm. but I'm curious and that's the only pressure I'm going to put on myself about mm-hmm. it. And that's, that's how I try to live my life as mm-hmm. much as I can. Well, and it's funny, it's almost like the word try. Um, I had a guest on one time that anytime he said the word try, he made a donation, a, a substantial donation so that, to, <laughs> to a, a nonprofit because he felt that that was limiting. Well, I'm going to mm-hmm. try to do this as opposed to I'm going to do it. Right. And, yeah, you know, and, and I just thought that was so interesting. And you know, he really got himself out of the habit of saying try. And he, he said it had been. It had been a huge habit of his to just try to do yeah. Because yeah. then you're already hedging your bet that you're not going to do it. And same with hope. Well, I hope it works out. But if it doesn't, you yeah. know, it's like, no, yeah. no, stop hedging your bets. Well, and also, it just, and if it doesn't work out exactly the way you thought, maybe it's not meant to. Maybe right. you were meant to learn something mm-hmm. else. Or maybe it'll be even more delightful than you were thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. So just, just take it out. Just, I, I just really, I, you know, we, we, I find myself saying it sometimes, but I really try to think about why I do that mm-hmm. and replace it as much as possible. Find and replace. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. We can do it on our computer, so let's do it in our brains. Right. It, you know, it takes some time. Rewiring mm-hmm. takes time. This whole thing's about rewiring. Right. How we feel about ourselves, how we value ourselves, what our worth means. And by the way... Life isn't about going through and muddling through and gritting our teeth. Life is about being happy as possible because you know what? You're at your best and you're a whole lot more fun to be around when you're happy. And right. that's true. So right. that's what we all need to be thinking about. 
Well, Deirdre, this has been absolutely fascinating. And we didn't, we really did not talk about several subjects. So we will definitely have you on again because you. you work with companies, you work with organizations on um, how they can work better together, all sorts of things. You've got your books, but tell us how people find and connect with you online. Perfect. So the, the two best ways to kind of check me out, my, my first is my website, which is makemomentum.com. Okay. My, called Momentum. So makemomentum.com has all kinds of information on my book. My blog is there. Everything uh, about, about me is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this, and I'm sure I'll link this interview there as well. Oh, okay. uh, the second is go to Amazon and mm-hmm. you can look up uh, Deirdre Maloney or you can look up Focus Balance or Tough Truths. And I should pop up. I have uh, four different books on there. There are two of them, my little ones, including this new one, are available as audiobooks. Cool. As well as uh, all four are available as ebooks. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, a scooch on Twitter. I'm not a big Twitter fan, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Um, but I also have a bunch of reviews on the book on Instagram. You can check okay. that out if you do Tough Truths. So lots of different ways. I love it. Well, you know, tell people one last thing that you want to leave them with. Okay. I would say that as we go into the new year, sit down for half an hour. It's half an hour. And write out the different kind of parts of your life. Do a little pie chart of the different components that make up your life. Look at how many of them are nowhere near 70-30. Look at the one that's least close to 70-30, the furthest away, and think about something you can do to make it better and know that that's your job in this life. That's, that's your job in this life. And you'll be better and you'll be better to be around. So do that. I love it. And Thanks. for some, it might be <clears throat> excuse me, a big change. I mean, it might be leaving that, that job, that partner, that, that whatever. Right. Or it might be, you know, I'm going to take a half hour every evening before I go to sleep and read an inspirational book. Mm-hmm. You, know, you yeah. never know what it could be that's really going to help. And so, you know, we want to encourage people, to baby steps. Okay, baby steps might be, you know, don't, don't just go quit your job tomorrow. No. <laughs> right. Um, right. But, you know, really think about it and think, what would make you happy? And, and again, it's what makes, you know, you as in yourself. And, you know, I, I, I worry about making the other people in my life happy, but, if I'm not happy myself, it's, it's all for naught. It's a lost cause. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Deirdre, this has been wonderful. Can't wait to have you on again. So we will get that scheduled. Um, and, and so I am Deb Creer. I've been having a great time talking with Deirdre Maloney. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.